0: So pastor started this last week, said every week during the month of November, we were going to talk about things we were thankful for. I don't want to be the guy to mess that up. So tell me, what are some things you're thankful for? Heat? Heat? Food? Food? Good weather? Rain? Rain? Health. Health? Music? Yes. Yes. All right, well, we'll save some more for next week. All right, it's good to be thankful. For those of you who studied your history or paid attention in history class, you probably know this story. It was during World War II's Pacific Campaign, and General Douglas Arthur, along with his family, were located on the island of Corridor. I hope I'm saying that right where he oversaw 90,000 American and Filipino troops. 90,000. That's almost as many people as live in the city of Downey. And they were battling the Japanese military, obviously. And the Japanese were advancing and they were getting closer and closer and closer and closing in on corridor. And the president, who remembers who was president? Franklin Roosevelt was worried about MacArthur's safety. MacArthur was a respected leader. It would be a big loss to the American forces if he was captured or killed. And so he asked MacArthur to leave. MacArthur said no to the President. He said, my men's fate is my fate. And the Joint Chiefs of Staffs called up MacArthur and said, we need you to leave. And he said, No, I'm not going to leave. And finally, it took a direct order from the president, say, I'm no longer asking you, I'm telling you to leave before he would leave. He and his wife and his son fled on a little PT boat 35 hours through Japanese minefields and submarines to safety in the Philippines, and then a B-52 flight to Australia. And General MacArthur's plans when he got to Australia was to muster the troops and take them back to the Philippines and send Japan back home. But when he got to Australia, there were no troops they were all scattered around the world already. They were fighting in Europe, they were fighting in northern Africa, they were fighting in the Pacific, there was nobody else to muster up and send. And MacArthur made a promise to the Philippine people in a radio announcement. He said, I shall return. And for the next two years, that was his battle cry. I shall return. And every time he got a moment of press or was, uh, had a chance, he would talk about how he was returning to the Philippines. And the Japanese continued to advance and Bataan fell, which was 70,000 allied men. And the death march that happened after that were 10% of them died on the death march. And then other islands fell one by one and eventually corridor fell itself. And the Joint Chiefs of Staff didn't seem to be that concerned about all these Americans and Filipino troops that were being held prisoner by the Japanese. But MacArthur had a plan. The problem was he still needed some more troops. Admiral Nimitz had just won at Midway and he convinced Nimitz, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, that they should combine forces and go back to the Philippines. And so they did. And almost two and a half years later, on what was the date? October 20, 1944. MacArthur landed back in the Philippines. Within two hours of being on the Philippines, he was on the radio. And said people of the Philippines, I have returned. I kept my promise. It took me longer than I expected. But I'm back. And to his men that were captured in various campaigns, I bet they wondered, was he ever really going to come back? But he did. And we know the rest of history that they began to push the Japanese back and eventually to the third defeat in the Allies victory. And we're going to talk about something very similar to this today. Somebody else who promised to come back. Not the Terminator. (laughs) No, he only issued 17 words in that movie. 17 words by Terminator in that movie, and three of them were, I'll be back. But Jesus promise to come back. That's what Peter's talking about today as we finish up our series. Please open your Bibles with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're finishing up the series today. I hope you have enjoyed this series. I know I have. I love the, the practical advice, of how to behave, how to live our life according to God's plans. It's good stuff. I look forward to next week and hearing from our groups about what they've learned. That's always a fun week. And remember, we're having potluck next week, so bring something to share, stay for lunch, have some good times with us. And we're going to start 2 Peter 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 10. Everybody there? It says, Dear friends, now this is my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to what? Wholesome thinking. What are you supposed to do? Wholesome thinking. It all starts here. When your thinking is not right, your actions are not right. Wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, when is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also was the time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept on the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. There's a lot in there. We're going to come back to that. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done, and it will be laid bare." Sounds like stuff we hear today. People say, when is God coming again? We've said, He's coming soon for 2000 years. When is he coming again? Anybody ever heard that? And sometimes we give our Christian standard answers. Oh, the Lord's time is not our time. We don't know. And somehow they just feel like it's not enough. Like it's incomplete. Right? And the same thing was happening in Peter's day. Except they were only 60 years after um, Jesus. 30 years after Jesus. And so Peter answers them in four ways, okay, in this text we just read. The first one is God's Word. Now, a lot of times when we say God's Word, we mean the Bible. Peter's not talking about the Bible here, or the Scriptures. He's talking about what God said. God's Word. Okay? So go back and we look at verses 5-7. to There's a lot in there. So people are saying, these false teachers are saying, everything's the same since the beginning of creation. Nothing has changed. And Peter says, what are you talking about? Look at verse 5. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. How did the earth get formed? By God's word. Verse six, by these waters was also of that time was deluged and destroyed. What happened during Noah's time? God judged the earth and destroyed it, right? Verse 9, by that same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. The promise of the rainbow. I'm never going to destroy the world again, right? And Peter says, you deliberately forget stuff and say everything's the same as it's always been, but it is not. Right? There was a time when there was no earth. There was a time when God destroyed the earth. And we're in a time now where God is saying, it's reserved right now. I'm not going to destroy the earth right now. So Peter answers with God's word, right? The second way Peter answers that is God's time in verse 8. Verse 8 says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Right? He's probably quoting Psalms 90, verse 4, where he says, to the Lord, a thousand years may be like a day. And it's hard for us to understand this, but God's time is not our time. If you have existed forever, What's 30 years? What's 70 years? What's 2000 years? Nothing. It's a drop of the hat. I can't even comprehend that. It makes my head hurt. Right? So he's saying, hey, listen, God does have a different time. He is the author of time. But because God's taken a little longer than we think he should take. You notice that? That's the problem. We think God should have come back already. That doesn't mean God has forgotten. The other way he answers this is in verse 9 with God's patience. Verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but who to come to repentance? Everyone. Jesus came to die for who? Everybody. The whole world. Okay. Doesn't matter. I mean, we can go through all the classes of people, and short and tall and rich and young, and this race and that race. All the people. Right? Doesn't matter. And so God's being patient because God wants everybody in heaven. And then the last way that Peter addresses this is he warns them in verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will disappear with the roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire, and, every, and the earth and everything done on it will be laid bare. Right? And I don't think Peter is trying to scare anybody here. Sometimes we use Jesus' second coming as a scare tactic. You better be ready. You're gonna go to someplace too hot. Right? That doesn't work. Fear only lasts so long, and then you're over the fear. That's that's not an accurate way. That that tactic has been used on me. I don't like it, and it, it aggravates me. So I'm trying not to get on my soapbox here. Okay. So, given that Peter says all this, what should we do? Let's continue on in verses 11 through 13. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be?" Peter sets this up. What he's basically saying is, listen up, I'm telling you what you should do. You ready? You got your pen and paper? You're taking notes? Turn on the record on your phone, whatever you're going to do, take some notes, okay? So this is what Peter's setting us up for. What kind of people ought you be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and earth where the righteous dwells. So how should we behave? We should live holy and godly lives. And we should be looking forward to the new earth. Okay? Now, if you're looking forward to something, do you prepare for it? Yes. Some of you who may have gotten married, and hopefully you were looking forward to your marriage and it was not a day of dread, but you know, you were happy to be getting married. Did you prepare for your marriage? Yes, You're getting ready to go on vacation. Do you prepare to go on your vacation? Yes, right? All these things that we look forward to, we we prepare for. And Peter's saying, if you're looking forward to this new earth, prepare for that. okay. Now, Remember here, holy does not mean perfect, right? We talk about this a lot, because sometimes when we see that word holy, we think, oh man, I'm in trouble, because I'm not that holy. But holy does not mean perfect. Holy means set aside for a special purpose. And the special purpose is, we're supposed to be getting ready for this new earth. We're supposed to be helping other people get ready. We could do a whole sermon, probably a whole sermon series on these couple of verses because they are just packed when you consider the ramification of what it means to be set apart and what it means to live a holy and godly life and to be looking forward to that. There's, we could unpack that for days, but pastor doesn't want me to preach till three o'clock. He's, he's like that. I don't know. I'm picking on him because he's back there. All right. But I I do want to take just a moment here and talk about something. And I'm going to step on some people's toes. And I want to tell you, I'm not calling anybody out personally. I'm calling us all out collectively, including me. Okay. Because I watch sometimes when we say, we're we're getting ready, we want to be ready for God to come. And then we do things that don't seem to line up with that. And I've done it. Okay, number one, I've, I've done it, right? How many times in your life, and don't answer this. Don't raise your hand, don't answer this. But how many times in your life, have you put God aside to do something you wanted to do? Right? And some of those things may have been big moral issues, right? I knew I wasn't supposed to lie. But I wanted that shiny thing. And so I lied so I could get that shiny thing. Right? Or I knew I wasn't supposed to do drugs, but I wanted to be cool. And so I did it anyway, and I pushed God aside. Right? And we can, we can make a long list of stuff that we do when we intentionally have pushed God aside to do something we wanted to do. Right? We've all done it. We've all done it. And we've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop doing that. I want to to give you one example here. Church attendance. Now church attendance, you are not saved by coming to church every week. Amen. You are saved by faith. Okay, so anybody says Bill said no, you are saved by, by your faith. But church attendance is important. The Bible tells us, do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Why are we supposed to meet together? Fellowship? Why else? Worship? We encourage each other. We can be an encourager. We can get encouragement. Right? It's important to come together. I mean the Bible we could quote a 1000 texts where that's important to do. But I watch so many times when people say, Yeah, but today I'm not coming to church because I want to push God aside so that I can get that shiny thing that I wanted. Now, again, as human beings, we always run to this extreme or that extreme. Don't go there, because I'm not there. God's not in the extremes. We're in the middle. Everybody with me? We're in the middle. You are going to miss church some weeks. It's okay. Pastors not going to hunt you down. I'm not going to vote you off the membership board. It's okay. You're going to miss church some weeks. All right. But be careful about how liberally we do that. Okay? Because going to church every week does not get you into heaven. Amen? But never going to church will certainly keep you out. You hear my heart? You hear where I am? Okay. And I have heard people tell me stuff. I can't come to church this week, or I can't help serve in some ministry, because I'm too busy. You're too busy to serve God. Did you just hear what you said? And I've had people tell me this through the years, so many times. I'm too busy. I don't have time to help at church. Really? Really? What are you saying when you say that? You have just put yourself in front of God and said, what I want is more important than what God wants. we got to be really, really careful about that. Now, I, I understand we're all busy, and we got lives, and we got stuff to do, and you can't serve in every ministry. There's limits. Okay, there's limits, you only do so much, but be make sure you're doing something to help serve God's work and God's purpose. Amen. Alright, so if anybody goes out there and says Bill said that we have. Remember, we're in the middle. We're not over here on these extremes. Bad stuff happens out there. We're in the middle. Amen. All right. Let's continue on verses 14 and 15. It says, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this being Jesus coming, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Okay? So what we have here is Peter's giving us a second call to live a holy life. What have we learned about in the Bible? Whenever something is repeated, it is what? Important. Right? Your parents may say, don't make me tell you that again. Right? But in the Bible, when they tell you again, pay attention. It's important. Okay. And he's urging us to live pure lives without sin. And this was in deep contrast to these false teachers that lived at the time that were like stains and dirty marks that we saw last week. When pastor talked about the false teachers, we're supposed to live a pure life. And again, this is not a call to perfection. It's just a call to set aside the things of the world and be dedicated to Christ. The last part of 15 and 16 there, Peter talks about Paul's teachings and said, you know, Paul does some, some, teaches some good stuff. because it's hard, but work through it. Don't twist it up. It's good stuff. Okay. And then he goes on to verses 17 and 18, and he says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from what your secure position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter has just told you not to lose your salvation. Some people believe once saved, always saved. That is not true. That is not biblical. I can't find that in the Bible anywhere. You can choose any day you want to put that down and walk away from it. Okay? God gives us freedom of choice. And Peter's telling us don't lose your secure position by the error of who? The lawless. Now, a lot of times we talk about false prophets or false teachers, and we say, oh, yeah, you know, look at, but that person's preaching over there in that church. That's clearly false. Ooh, stay away from them. Okay, that's the easy stuff. What about all the people who don't claim to be a preacher, but are doing stuff that impacts your life? The entertainment industry, and the movies, and the music, and and the things that they put out, that is leading you somewhere. Right? It's it's leading you somewhere. And so the question is, why? Where? What's it leading you to? There's kind of only two choices. Right? Be aware of that, and don't lose your salvation over it. Amen? All right. So, reflect. Consider this week, what are some of the things that you, that cause you to set God aside, so that you can do your own thing? What are, because as many people as there are in here, there's probably that many answers. For some of us, it's this or it's that. It's all kinds of different things that we look at and we say, you know, God, just wait a minute. I got this thing I got to do. God, I've given you my whole life. Let me have this one little thing. If you were getting married and you're betrothed, it's a $2 word. Your betrothed said, You know what? I've given up all the other suitors and all the other guys or girls, as the case may be, except for this one. I love you, but I I like them too. So, you know, I I just, you know, I'm going to marry you, but I want to keep this one. Would you be thrilled about that? No. No. Don't do that to God. And say, God, I've given you everything except this one. I need this one. Be careful. Challenge. Pick one of those things and change your ways. Don't put God aside for a temporary pleasure. It is not worth it. And I'm talking to me. Right? I'm talking to me. Be holy and godly. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, help us to be the kind of people that are holy and godly. Help us to be the kind of people that are set apart for you. Or we're not going to be following the lawless and doing what they're doing we're doing what is right by you, what is right for you. And we're making time to work towards your second coming by encouraging other people, by telling other people, by trying to engage other folks, family members, neighbors, whoever. Lord, help us to be working towards that day so that more people can be in heaven, not because we're great and cool, but because you are great. Be with us this upcoming week. Help us to make wise decisions, and bring us back again. Jesus name. Amen.